The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. The Wheat Growers Association wants the federal government to find a resolution to the Peace Act strike as quickly as possible. We'll hear from President Gunter Joachim about that. Also coming up on today's program, Canadian Western Agribition recorded a turnaround financial year in 2022. We'll hear from Agribition CEO Sean Kindop about that. As well, they elected their new leadership team at their annual general meeting yesterday in Regina. We'll have part two about the uh, pulse breeding story that we had yesterday. Pulse breeding in Saskatchewan is headed in a new direction, of course. The Saskatchewan Pulse Growers partnered with Lima Green in July of 2022. We'll hear a little bit about who Lima Green is. And Regina-based Farm Credit Canada is offering financial support to nonprofit groups across rural Saskatchewan. FCC's Manager of Community Investment, Carla Warnica, will tell us about that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The Wheat Growers Association wants the federal government to find a resolution to the PSAC strike as quickly as possible. President Gunter Joachim, who farms west of Winnipeg, is calling on Ottawa to ensure Canadian Grain Commission employees within the Public Service Alliance of Canada Union return to work immediately. Joachim says this will impact the grain industry. It definitely affects uh, grain farmers across Canada insofar as about 80% of what we grow is exported. And so we depend on that export market. We depend on the flow of our grain from farm through our country elevator system out to the ports. And the Canadian Grain Commission inspects every ton of grain that gets exported. It is also inspected by third-party private inspectors, but they only do about 70% of all grain inspected. So the Grain Commission has a handle on all the grain that's exported. And with them on strike, that could mean that this flow of grain is coming to a halt. And that will negatively affect uh, grain farmers across Canada, especially on the prairies here. And we are just coming into our seeding season for 2023. And we cannot have uh, stoppage of grain flow. We depend on that income. Uh, it is very seasonal. The majority of our expenses are coming up here, having to put the crop in the ground. So it's imperative the government looks for a solution to end the strike. He outlines the changes he would like the federal government to make. The week was actually would like to go a step further, not just having the government end the strike because it affects other aspects as well, not just the grain inspectors. But seeing that the bulk of the grain that gets exported is also inspected by third-party companies such as SGS, that there's duplicity in the system right now. 
which means there's an added cost to farmers that gets passed down to farmers for service that only needs to be done once, not twice. And so there's not only that added cost, but the private sector, third-party inspectors, do it for less than half the money that the Grain Commission charges for the inspections. So the wheat growers actually have worked with the government before the last election in making changes to the Grain Act and to the role of what the Canadian Grain Commission plays as far as grain inspection is concerned. So we asked the government to let the staff, the non-unionized staff of CGC, be available for pickup, bag, and tag samples provided by the third-party inspectors for CGC grading. And not only would that continue help in, in keeping our grain moving, it will also eliminate uh, the duplicity and would save costs and in the end be beneficial to farmers. Yoakum says Wheat Growers Association members are very concerned about this strike. Well, absolutely worried. I mean, right at this very moment, there isn't a backlog, but it does not take very long if vessels don't get loaded in Vancouver uh, for the system to back up. And uh, I, I imagine within a week or so, we will have a slowdown or even a complete stoppage of grain movement off of the prairies to export location. And that will definitely impact members of the wheat growers and will impact our income, our ability to cash flow, and for our businesses to run properly. Meanwhile, the National Farmers Union supports the strike action, which is now in its second day. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. BX94, Ag Review. Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers is raising concerns with the potential impacts of strike action taken by members of the Public Service Alliance of Canada on Manitoba farmers and the agricultural sector. CAP President Jill Verway notes PSAC represents thousands of public service employees who play a key role in the delivery and administration of agricultural programs and services, including the suite of business risk management programs and programming in the new sustainable CAP that producers rely so heavily upon to help run their operation. The majority of Canadian Grain Commission employees who play an essential role in the grain handling system through outward inspection, export certification and producer payment security are also affected by this strike action. Verway says CAP respects the rights of Canadian workers to collective action. However, the strike could negatively impact grain shipments resulting in backlogs and restricted cash flow for farmers as well as increased demurrage costs for grain companies. MPs are defending Canada's supply management system and say it could be a good option for lower-income countries to be less reliant on imports. A House of Commons committee is meeting today to talk about a Bloc Québécois bill that would make it harder for new trade deals to chip away at the system. Since 1972, 
The federal and provincial governments have regulated the supply and cost of dairy, eggs and poultry by placing steep tariffs on imports. But the rules have been tweaked several times over the past decade as Canada negotiated trade deals and agriculture groups have not been happy. Last fall, the UN Special Rapporteur on the Right to Food told the committee that the system could be shared with poorer countries to help them stabilize food prices. Canola contracts on the Ice Futures platform held relatively range-bound during the week ended yesterday. They traded within a $20 per metric ton range in most months as market participants wait to get a better handle on new crop prospects. Jamie Wilton of R.J. O'Brien in Winnipeg says there's some concern developing on seeding delays, adding that soils across western Canada need to warm up to allow farmers to get onto their fields. Fund positioning has been a feature propping up the front months as speculators cover short positions, but Wilton expects that activity will take a backseat to North American weather conditions. While Manitoba and Saskatchewan have been hit with snow over the past few days, which will add to any seeding delays, Wilton expects seeding will get going quickly in Alberta. The European Union is going to provide financial compensation to farmers in five countries bordering Ukraine and plans to introduce restrictions on imports of Ukrainian grains. Pressure has mounted on Brussels to work out a European Union-wide solution after Poland and Hungary banned some imports from Ukraine last weekend and other Eastern European countries said they were considering similar action. The countries became transit routes for Ukrainian grain that could not be exported through Ukraine's Black Sea ports because of Russia's invasion in February of 2022. Bottlenecks then trapped millions of tons of grains in countries bordering Ukraine, forcing local farmers to compete with an influx of cheap Ukrainian imports, which they said distorted prices and demand. Meanwhile, CNH Industrial has announced that it's ending support of its business activities in Russia. The company had suspended supplying the market in March of last year when Russia invaded Ukraine. Prior to the announcement, the company had maintained paying employees' salaries and administrative expenses related to its corporate office in Moscow. The Moscow office managed the import and distribution of its products in Russia, regional business activities, and commercial financing, and included manufacturing sites for agricultural equipment and implements and construction equipment, and a parts depot. The sites employed approximately 200 employees. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. We have light snow and minus two degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Canadian Western Agribition recorded a turnaround financial year in 2022. Agribition CEO Sean Kindop says the annual livestock event is reporting a profit 
of $83,000. It was fantastic. It was great that we got to be back in the black. We're very proud to be able to announce a profit of over $83,000, which represents over $400,000 turning around from 2021. So it's, it's something we definitely hold our heads high on. He lists some of the factors behind the improved financial situation. Yeah, it was great that we got to truly welcome everybody back. We got to see our members of our international family come back. We saw record sponsorship levels. We saw record rodeo attendance. And had we have had a true Tuesday night event this year, we would have actually broken 2019 attendance numbers. So all in all, 2022 was such a great success story, and we're looking forward to carrying that momentum into 23. Kindop outlined some of the plans for this year's show. Yeah, I'm very excited for 2023 as we... Uh, Animal Ag Tech doesn't have a home in the country of Canada at the moment, so we're looking to make that home aggravation. So we are hosting the inaugural Canadian Animal Ag Tech Awards, which is very exciting. We're uh, also looking to introduce a Miss Rodeo aggravation, which should be fantastic. Someone to really get out in the community and help promote aggravation and travel travel the country and just promoting the wonderful show that is aggravation. So we're excited to welcome that. And uh, we'll also be hosting a golf tournament this year on July 31st. So Lots of fun things to be excited about, and yeah, we, we can't wait to get started. He explains what the Animal Ag Tech Awards are. So the Animal Ag Tech, there's a lot of organizations that are involved in the Animal Ag Tech sector, but they don't have a home, so they're currently looped in with Ag Tech, which is fantastic. Ag Tech's on the rise, but there's a lot of fantastic organizations that specialize just in the livestock and not in the crop side of things, so it's to be able to promote that at Agribition and to be able to connect those people with potential buyers and customers is uh, something we're proud of. We really pride ourselves on relationships and being a place where people can come and do business. So we want to be able to use our platform and allow some of those organizations to come in and showcase their brands. Kindop highlights one of the other events planned for Agribition in November. We will have a fantastic Tuesday night event. That's a promise. We're just putting some of the final touches on it so we have it. it's not official yet but make sure that you guys all stay tuned as it's something that should it's promised to be very exciting he then talks about how much money they made last year yeah we reported a profit of over eighty-three thousand dollars, which again represents over a four hundred thousand dollar turnaround from 2021 and we can't thank everybody enough for the generous support this year and we can't wait to welcome everybody back Canadian Western Agribition also elected its 2023-24 leadership team at its annual general meeting yesterday. Kim Hextall from Grenfell, Saskatchewan, will continue as president of the Canadian Western Agribition. Members elected to the executive are Vice President Michael Latimer from Oles, Alberta, and executive members at large Kelsey Ashworth of Unger, Saskatchewan, Levi Jackson of Sedley, Saskatchewan, and Blake McMillan of Nokomis, Saskatchewan. Canadian Western Agribition's Executive Committee also includes past president Chris Lees of Arcola, Saskatchewan. Members of Canadian Western Agribition then elected the following representatives to the Board of Directors to serve a two-year term. Kelly Howe of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Courtney McDougall of Regina, Saskatchewan, Blake McMillan of Nokomis, Saskatchewan, Grant McClellan of Regina, Saskatchewan, and Carl Sauter of Wawota, Saskatchewan. Directors that are serving the second year of their two-year term are Kelsey Ashworth of Unger, Saskatchewan, Levi Jackson of Sedley, Saskatchewan, 
Marty Cratchaville of Milden, Saskatchewan, Garth Newell of Carlisle, Saskatchewan, Ali Pike of Ottawa, Ontario, and Carol Poole of White City, Saskatchewan. Appointed directors include Dana Hicks of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, Angela Hall of the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, and Chad Jedlick from the City of Regina. It's time now for your livestock market conditions, and they're a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 164.35 today. That's up 75. August live cattle closed at 163.42, up 67. May feeder cattle closed at 212.35, up 187. August feeder cattle closed at 229.52, up 275. May lean hogs closed at 76.82, down 195. June lean hogs closed at 85.07, down 135. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of April the 19th. Just a light run here this week with 850 in the short, 250 cows and bulls, a total of 1,100 head for the day. This cow and bull market selling two to three stronger here. D1, D2 cows, 128 to 138, sales to 144, 145. D3 cows, 118 to 128. Cows are averaging 129 from the Invermere area. 1,600-pound cows topped out at 146. Good bulls, 138 to 148, sales to 159, 160. Bulls are averaging 150. From the Danbury area, 2,400-pound bull topped out at 166. On to the pre-sort sale, selling steady but higher in spots. 425-pound steers, 351. 500-pound red Angus steers at 370. 575-pound tan steers, 350. 650s at 336. My favorite pen, 710-pound tan steers, 310. 800-pound black steers, 290. 850-pound black steers at 276. And 950-pound steers at 258. On the heifer side, 425-pound heifers, 319. 500-pound red black exotic heifers, 288. 575 pound black heifers 284, the 650 pound heifers 287, 710 at 271, 800 pound red black exotic heifers 256, 850s at 242, and 950 pound heifers at 234. Highlight of the morning red black exotic steers 840 pounds topped out at 280. And red, black, exotic heifers, 850-pounders. These were replacement quality heifers. They topped out at 246. Our next bred cow and cow-calf pair sale is Friday, April 28th, taking consignments for that sale. Last Friday, we had 750 sheep, lamb, and goats. Here are some highlights. 65-pound lambs, 264. 75-pound lambs, 234. 135-pound lambs, 217. Uh, some call use 110 to 150, 
nanny goats, $170 to $250 sales to $350 apiece. Kid goats, 60-pound kid goats at $145 and 80-pound kid goats at $200 apiece. Had some pears here, sheep, lamb pears, $200 to $260 with sales to $325 apiece. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Pulse breeding in Saskatchewan is headed in a new direction. As you heard on yesterday's program, the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers partnered with Lima Grain in July of 2022. Sherry Lynn Phelps is SPG's Director of Research and Development. She explains who Lima Grain is. Lima Grain is the fourth largest seed company in the world and is farmer-owned cooperative with a farmer-based board of directors. Lima Grain and SPG have partnered to create a new pea and lentil breeding program that will be based out of Saskatoon. The program will be focused on breeding varieties to solve growers' greatest challenges, including root disease in peas and lentils, herbicide tolerance in lentils, and increased yield and protein content. Jason Reinheimer is the head of cereals and pulse research with Lima Grain. He provides us with his background. In my background, um, some of your listeners uh, may have heard my voice before. Um, I'm Australian. And so I, I grew up on our family farm in the Wimmera of uh, Victoria in Australia. Uh, yeah, not many hills or mountains to be seen in, in the area I grew up. But um, yeah, on our farm uh, where I grew up, you know, pulses were a really critical part of our rotation. Um, and, you know, sort of growing up on the farm uh, really developed my passion for agriculture. So I spent uh, the first part of my career with a company called Australian Grain Technologies. Uh, they are the largest crop breeder in Australia, delivering uh new crop varieties for Australian farmers. And from there, I, I moved to Canada in 2016 uh, to help set up our, our operations for Limagrain uh, in Canada uh, with a company called Limagrain Cereals Research Canada. So from 2016 to 2022, uh, I was based there and um, leading our operations. So since then, I've moved to France. And so now I head up our global uh, research uh, operations for Limagrain uh, in cereals and pulses and so I've been here for about seven months and, and I still uh, gladly uh, are very much connected with the prairies uh, in, in Canada and uh, more specifically through this project and partnership. He then goes into their 2022 crop trial season. 2022 was our, our first um, full season breeding uh, with uh, both peas and lentils uh, in, in Saskatchewan. I guess the, the most uh, exciting part of the season was having uh, Jeanette Tashura, who is our, our new pulse breeder, uh, who was committed to, to work with us in Canada now. Uh, she arrived in, in Canada for the 2022 season and was able to oversee the breeding program for the season, which was really nice. And, and after the season, uh, doing one full summer in Saskatchewan, she's decided to, to stay on full time as our, our pulse breeder uh, in Canada. So um, she spent the summer there and uh, we convinced her while she was uh, enjoying the Saskatchewan summer to stay and then hopefully uh, she survives the winters now. But um, in addition, in addition to that great that great news of having Jeanette on board, uh, we're able to 
um, run field trials uh, right across the prairies, primarily in Saskatchewan. And the field team at the LCRC um, were able to manage eight locations successfully. Uh, it was a great season with uh, both peas and lentils being you know, planted, uh, managed and harvested uh, with notes taken. Uh, we, we run over 10,000 plots, that yield plots, uh, across these locations, which I think was a really good uh, success for our first full season. And in addition to that, uh, you know, one of our key objectives is not only uh, in the development of, of new genetics and new varieties, but you know, a big part of it is delivery. So how quickly we can deliver seed of new varieties uh, to Saskatchewan growers as quick as possible. So we we had a, a big effort in our seed production and we, we ran uh, many hectares of, uh, of new varieties or potential new varieties uh, in terms of uh, breed to seed production in in uh, near Saskatoon, so that was a success as well. So you know, with new products coming through the registration system, I think we've set ourselves up hopefully to deliver them in, them very quickly. So in in addition as well, we we understand that uh, you know ensuring that uh, new varieties have uh, you know traits that are of high value to farmers, not only in yield but also in disease resistance. So our pathologists and our pathology team have worked on developing uh, new protocols and disease nurseries to be able to screen for important diseases such as the phanomyces. Also, you know, we're building into our um, early generation breeding as well in, in terms of our you know rapid cycle breeding and, and other other ways to integrate uh, new traits. So uh, a lot happened in 2022 and I guess we're very, very happy that it, we were able to pull off a very successful season. Reinheimer then talks about what happens in the off season. You know, after the, the busy field season, um, you know, we're very quickly moving to you know, data. Data analysis is, is a big part of it and and you know we're lucky enough to have um, some fairly sophisticated analysis tools that we use to understand the performance of our lines so well. Seed processing is a big part of uh, the next steps after the field season. So, you know, in peas and in lentils, uh, in lentils in particular, we have a lot of different types we need to to work through and, and understand you know classes and where they fit. Uh, and and so uh, seed processing is a, is a big part of that. In, and in the off season, we also you know lead into uh, registration meetings. So there's a lot of preparation that needs to be done uh, to be able to uh, develop and, and present data in a way that uh, we can make the assessment uh, appropriately in the registration meetings. And then then we lead into you know making selections, uh, keep culling as we call it, or discarding the things we don't want, and and progressing the the new new lines forward, uh, designing trials and starting the preparation for the new field season. So I guess that's that's the part with the seed. In terms of the seed production, there's a lot of processing as well. You know, understanding what lines we're moving forward with, and and, and what lines we're going to commercialise, and ensuring that we you know we clean and, and generate good quality seed that we can deliver to, to our partners uh, when we when we start to license lines. And and I guess the other component is the greenhouse activity. So, you know, a big focus area of the breeding program is to um, really uh, increase the rates of improvements in, in, in key traits in, in both peas and lentils. And one 
one key component of being able to execute on that is is speed and our ability to cycle generations and utilizing our molecular tools that we have access to to be able to manipulate key traits in our breeding programs and so you know one of the the key projects that Janet uh, has been working on is uh, combining uh, all of the sources of known aphanomyces resistance in, in peas, for example, um, and, and combining these together so we can um, start to do some validation and, and really look to deliver on, on a key trait like that uh, in, in commercial uh, varieties. So, you know, we, we, we really focus on um, you know, how quickly we can combine together high desirable traits. So that's just a, a smattering of some of the things we've been doing over the winter. And, and I think everyone's seeing the season coming quickly and, and really trying to be prepared for the new field season. That's Jason Reinheimer, the head of cereals and pulse research with Lima Green. His comments come from the latest Pulse of the Prairies podcast. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is next. Commodities update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. May canola closed at 757.80, down $14.70. July canola closed at 727.90, down $16 per metric ton. May Minneapolis wheat closed at 855 and three quarters, down 11 and a quarter cents. May Kansas City wheat closed at 8.40 and a quarter, down 21 and a half cents. May Chicago wheat, closed at 6.67 and three quarters, down 14 cents. May corn, closed at 6.63 and three quarters, down eight and a half cents. May soybeans, closed at 14.97 and a half, down nine cents. May oats, closed at 3.42 and a half, down four and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Farm Bulletin Board. Regina-based Farm Credit Canada is offering financial support to non-profit groups across rural Saskatchewan. FCC will award $1.5 million in funding to non-profit groups from the Agri-Spirit Fund across rural Canada. FCC Manager of Community Investment, Carla Warnica, says the agency provides between five dollars and $25,000 for various capital projects. The Agri-Spirit Fund is one of the ways which we uh, shore support and commitment to rural Canada, where so many of our customers and those in the agriculture and food community live and work. It's a fund where we give $1.5 million to projects across the country every year. She lists some of the projects funded in the past. Well, examples range from refrigeration projects for things like food banks or food recovery agencies. Sometimes it's construction projects or improvements that are being done to community buildings, maybe to make them more energy efficient. Or another example might be a community garden or greenhouse or some kind of a capital project that's related to agriculture and food. Warnica tells us what groups can apply. You know, nonprofit groups are eligible for uh, to apply. It could be nonprofits, charities, indigenous communities that are um, under 150,000 people in population. But she notes there is a deadline to apply. Groups can apply until May 15th, and where they can access between 5,000 and 25,000 dollars for capital projects that 
enhance those rural and indigenous communities across Canada. You know, it's some of those wonderful projects that are being meant to enrich those communities where so many of our customers and people in agriculture and food live and work. Those are wonderful communities. Rural Canada is a vibrant place and we want to make sure we keep it that way. So this is just one of this one of those ways in which we can partner with those groups that are keeping those communities such wonderful places to live. Warnica says communities can be a pretty good size under this funding program. On the case, it's as long as the community is under 150,000 people, they can they are eligible for support. So we would really encourage people to go to our website. It's www.fccagrispiritfund.ca, and they can see examples of past projects and take a look at the eligibility guidelines and certainly apply there as well. She says a lot of money has been handed out since the program started in 2004. Yeah, this is our 20th year of the Agri Spirit Fund, actually. So um, through the FCC Agri Spirit Fund, we've given out $19.5 million so far to over 1,500 capital projects supporting communities across the country, and we'd love to do more. So my ask would be, if you know of a project or an organization that might be eligible for funding, please encourage them to visit our website, again, www.fccagrispiritfund.ca, to learn more and to apply. Warnica says many agriculture and food-related programs have been funded in the past. They really are, and we've had some great projects in the past. We have, you know, community gardens and things like that have been really popular. People are doing a lot of work. Not only are they growing food for themselves and their communities, but they often grow food to give back to rural food security agencies and food banks. So that's been one of, uh, you know, wonderful initiatives. There's a lot of projects under being undertaken at community centres, for example. You know, those community centres and brinks are really the hub of a lot of communities. So oftentimes we're supporting capital initiatives that are maybe making improvements to make them more energy efficient, perhaps, you know, better LED lighting or something like that to bring those the cost of the bills down and the energy efficiency up. Those are some of the types of projects that we've supported across the country. The application deadline once again is May 15th, and the winners will be announced in September. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions. A snowfall warning remains in effect for today. Snow becoming lighter, 3 to 6 centimeters possible. Winds north-northeast at 20 to 40, then diminishing later to 15 to 30, and a high of minus 2. For tonight, a 90% chance of snow showers and flurries, another 2 to 4 centimeters possible. Winds north-northeast at 15 to 30, with gusts higher at times, a low of minus 4. For tomorrow, early light flurries, then mainly sunny. Winds north-northeast at 20 to 30 and gusting higher early on, a high of plus 1 with an overnight low of minus 8. For Saturday sunny, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a high of plus 2. Sunday mainly sunny, a high of plus 3. And Monday partly sunny, a high of plus 2. In the Paw, Dauphin, Brandon and Show Lake Russell, it's minus 1 degree. Swan River is at minus 3, Roblin minus 2. Regina, Saskatoon, and Indian Head reporting in at minus 2, Hudson Bay and Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington minus 3, Broadview, Mooseman minus 1. The Yorkton, Melville region has light snow, 
north-northeast wind at 35, gusting to 48 kilometers an hour. 87% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 2 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 10 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.